Well, everyone, I think it's time to standardize the Tri-Ace Quality Assurance Model. Everyone has experienced the uniformly great work our company does, but getting these procedures down for the record ought to work out pretty well when indoctrinating new recruits. Rule number one. Make people think. You'll never press a button and have done with it. Not in our games. Our extensive customer feedback has made clear that gamers prefer drawing up flowcharts and engaging in critical thinking to carry out all their tasks. Advertising more than we can deliver in a reasonable amount of time is also a great feature. It lets our customers think they're getting even more game than is actually there. We should still create as many subsystems and as intricate mechanics as possible, but if window dressing looks snazzy, we go for it. There are other things we could standardize, like switching between publishers to cut down our fan base to only the people who look at the credits, making sure that people either master our systems quickly or keep dying as punishment, and making sure to reinvent the wheel every time so no one is instantly comfortable with a sequel. For a quick meeting, that will be plenty. Soon enough, it will be time to make a new Star Ocean that will polarize the gaming world. Here it comes, podcasting's finest few hours of gaming prizes. Action RPG fans, come on down. Final Fantasy players, come on down. Might and Magic lovers, come on down. And Disgaea fanboys, come on down. You are the first four contestants on the RPG Backtrack. And here are the stars of the RPG Backtrack, Phil Willis and Mike Mickey. your swords and prepare your spells. Your friends at RP Gamer got a story to tell. Are you ready to hear about your favorite RPGs? Because we'll be going back a few years in history. If you've got a backlog that is really long, we'll tell you what's right to play and what is wrong. we got RP Gamer staff on the mic to talk about these games for most of the night. So pull up a chair, we will give you no flack. You're listening to the RPG Backtrack. Welcome to RPG Backtrack, your favorite podcast where we talk about your favorite RPGs from the way back when, right up through yesteryear, though admittedly sometimes we talk about your not-so-favorite RPGs. I am one of your two hosts, Phil Willis, and my counterpart, Mr. Well, I'm, I must be Mike Minky because I'm not Phil Willis. Indeed. Although I'm sure if if we allow the internets to get a hold of this, then that could be confused. Stranger things have happened on the internets. Or maybe you are really Phil Willis, it just isn't 
discovered yet. You could almost say it's undiscovered, your true infinite potential. Let it resonate with you, Mike. It's fate. To help us talk about our two games tonight, which may or may not be infinite undiscovering resonance of faith, we have the one, the only, Mr. Michael. Where is my iPhone apps? What up? Ready for another fun day of chit-chatting about games? Yes. Right. And last... Especially one of these games. One of these (laughs) games. And last, but most certainly not least, Mr. Alex Emptier. What is this day you speak of? Day, night... Yeah, well, it is like... It's really Uh, dark out here thanks to daylight savings time. It's the the 24-hour cycle. How's that? You know, Utah's arguing that whole... You know whether or not we we want to be on that whole daylight savings time kick anymore. Be, be like Arizona. Yeah. Don't follow it. Yeah, we're just gonna be rebellious. You know, it's a really great thing that nowadays when you're driving to different states and time zones or you're flying, your cell phone changes automatically because otherwise I couldn't keep up. Seriously. Well, now the airline attendant comes on and you know they'll always tell you you're now landing in Atlanta where the time is currently. <laughs> I've already seen it on my cell phone. As soon as we hit a cell phone tower, thank you. So it's great. It's really cool when you drive in the car and you just happen across a line or something and the phone just goes, bloop. Oh, hey, look at that, hun. We got an hour back. So, or, oh, damn, hun. We just lost an hour. Depends on which way you're driving. But hey, we're not here to talk about driving. We're here to talk about RPGs. And the two games we're talking about tonight, Infinite Undiscovery and Residence of Fate. You guys ready? You guys stoked? Wow. Wow. All that excitement. <laughs> it's all pent up. Well, while I'm, uh, well, I'll be, uh, in the back, uh, bitch slapping some, uh, some caffeine into these guys. You guys hold on tight. Listen to some music. We'll be right back. I'm back from my quick trip to Starbucks, and we're ready to talk it up. We're ready to talk to infinity and beyond with Infinite Undiscovery, developed by Triace, published by Square Enix. This was developed for the Xbox 360 and released in North America on September 2nd, 2008. This is a single-player action RPG experience. Anybody who knows anything about me knows that I never did Xbox, will never do Xbox, and I do not believe this was released on Steam or anything along those lines. So this is completely your show, boys. I'll be back here playing Dragon Quest V. Listening. Intently. Well, Alex, you you are the only one really familiar with this game, I understand. Am I? Oh, good. I'm afraid so. <laughs> I meant to play this, uh, and instead I played Natural Doctrine the second time. Yeah. Yeah, so I do know this was 360 only because it was at the point when Microsoft was trying to actually put effort into Japan. And it was just basically throwing money at 
JRPG developers. I still don't understand how Tengai Makyo got remade on the 360 and then didn't cross the ocean because that cannot have been a big seller in Japan on the 360. <laughs> anyway. Was anything a big seller on the 360 in Japan? Uh, I think you have to grade it using a different curve than anything else for the <laughs> what is the total user base of the 360 in Japan 100,000 people max maybe a little more than that so yes this was from that lovely period when we got uh, Tales of Vesperia oh yes everybody remembers the row over that <laughs> please please no Just <laughs> next stop, stop, stop there, there. <laughs> now, looking at our reviews, and we surprisingly have three reviews of this game on RP Gamer, all from staff members, there is a definite spread of opinion. We've got a 2, a 2.5, and a 3.5. So nobody thinks it's amazing, and nobody thinks it's the worst thing ever to be inflicted upon the video gaming world. Yeah, that sounds about right. It's a fairly... As things go, it's a fairly run-of-the-mill... JRPG. Well, looking over the story, I see that apparently it involves having chained the moon to the planet. <laughs> uh, yes, I think, yes, that's something that had already happened a while ago. That's so still that's, something that's just... you don't hear very often. Oh, that's true, and yeah, the, the basic plot is trying to fix that and unchain the moon. Yeah, yes, yes, chaining the moon does some form of magical stuff that, um, yeah, magic, and then we'll just move on from there. (laughs) Yeah, I think we have to use magic, otherwise, uh, the moon would crash into the planet and everyone would die. Well, they're quite long chains. Well, we'd have to hope so. Yeah, although, uh, I think at the end of the game, the party does run up the chain to get to the moon. <laughs> oh, so, oh, sure. So, uh, so, so not too long, but long <laughs> enough. <laughs> it's okay. Remember, magic, magic. Right. It's all good. Oxygen, it's all good. the vacuum of space. These are trifling obstacles. Magic. Uh, anything aside from having the moon chained to the planet that is worth noting about the storyline? Um, I think one thing worth noting is the ridiculous amount of party members you get. So, uh, there's, I think, about 15 playable party members by the end of the game. That sounds more like a tactical game than yeah. a single player, well, or a, a standard there is a, yeah, There is a maximum of four sort of active at a time in a party. Except for when you have Gustav, because he takes up two slots because he is a giant bear. <laughs> well, that and, and he is awesome. So, do you have to giant. control one character, or can you control any of them in the active? You party? are you're always controlling Capel. I think I'm not okay. actually sure on that, but I think well, I always control Capel. I think he's forced upon you all most of the time uh, but you do get to, there are some special 
characters where you sort of team up and can do special joint attacks using Capel and the other character and they also that also does special moves in the dungeons and field areas as well uh, well that, yeah. that would encourage you to experiment with your player or with your characters yeah. I think one of the things that we'll do in dungeons is actually sort of split the party into like three so you sort of have the main party and then two other parties will go around different routes of the dungeon and you'll sort of see them every now and then and they sort of meet back up but you don't get to control those other parties right? no they sort of go away and do their own thing <laughs> that's that's somewhat disappointing yeah but they will sort of return back yeah yeah it's it sort of solves the issue of sort of having four people save the world against ridiculous odds by using the odds slightly but yeah <laughs> You now, have something resembling a force. Now, looking at this combat description and thinking of my own Tri-Ace experience, uh, Alex, have you played Valkyrie Profile 2? I have not. Okay. I was going to ask you how it compares to that, but if you haven't played it, then you couldn't say it. Uh, but... Let's say you describe it, I can... <laughs> Well, okay, Valkyrie Profile 2. You can change between each of your four active characters at any time, but you're only, since it's an action setup, you're only directly in control of one at a time. Moving around a big 3D field with enemies that will move with you, but are often stupid enough to let you get multiple attacks in while they get stuck against the scenery. <laughs> Okay, I think uh, yeah, the enemies are slightly less stupid in this one, but I think that might be partly because the world design has less bits that they can get stuck on. Okay. Uh, it's as Trice games go, and especially compared to the other game we're going to be talking about later, it's not. It's actually pretty simple. Overall, it's a fairly standard real-time system. Actually, well, basically, the review, you get... the review yeah. I'm reading says that if you treat it like an action game and just attack, 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 that's probably better than trying to delve into all of the possible options. Would you agree? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, there are a lot of sort of intricate systems. I mean, there's systems about where you can actually throw, or so you can drop food to distract monsters briefly. Right? But mm. there's sort of a lot of them you really don't need to do anything with because it. It's not actually. It's not a very difficult game. So I mean, yeah, the just attack, attack, attack is a perfectly acceptable tactic. And it's also the fact if you keep using skills and you have to cope with them shouting out the skill name every single time. <laughs> <laughs> Does it have different difficulty options, or is it one set thing? Uh, I can't remember. But I, um, I believe it does. But I think it's sort of the one. It's, yes, actually, yes, it does because um, it does the try thing of unlocking a harder difficulty after you complete the game once. Uh, well, Trace AI tends not to be the kind that makes playing a super hard game necessarily fun. Just well, maybe it works differently here. I 
I don't know. Samaria certainly did not make me think I wanted to experience the horror or difficulty and watch as it took even longer to kill things and they were able to kill me in two hits. Yeah, so I'm on the max side of difficulty levels compared to uh, Mr. Apsa. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do love some hard games. Well, there's hard for the right reasons and hard for the wrong reasons. Yes, very true. <laughs> Let's just go with, as it stands, from what I'm hearing, Infinite Undiscovery, on the default difficulty, if you are willing to button mash, you will probably win. Does this Is this accurate? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, you will have to... There's some thinking required, but it's still, it's not that much. It's fairly... Straightforward, and you'll figure it. You'll figure it out easy enough. Okay. One th- yeah. There's one thing it does do is it's got a load of. Uh, I think it's quite similar to Tales of Vesperia, where if you've got the boss fights, all have sort of special missions. If you achieve the mission, you get sort of a massive XP boost or bonus, an achievement for for doing it sort of properly. So I think some of them will say if you beat the boss in under like four minutes, it'll give you special rewards and things like that. And is that feasible? Um, yeah, generally. It's, it's okay. awesome. And it a, looks there's like there's a few also... ones that are a lot more difficult, but generally it's sort of quite achievable. Okay. And from what I'm reading here, you can give vague orders to all the, the all of Capel's pa- companions something like heal me or back me up is that also accurate yeah that's accurate but I think generally you won't need to do that too much I think that's one of the one of the things that was sort of implemented that doesn't affect things as much as it could have now all of our reviews came out fairly close to its release and complained that the graphics do not look very good for the 360. What what would you say? Um, I thought they were uh, fairly good in general, but then again, this was one of the actually one of the first RPGs I played, sort of having got into RPGs. So I mean, it doesn't have any. It's not got sort of a special art style like Tales of Vesperia did, which I guess sort of counts against it. It's sort of more generic 3D action stuff, but yeah, I think it's a bit harsh. Okay. Again, this these reviews are from... Jeez, was this really six years ago? And, yeah, that's before uh, I joined. <laughs> <laughs> well, graphics are somewhat subjective and let's face it back then this was still at the time when people were having to be convinced to upgrade from the PS2 and graphics were one way of doing that so I can see why that would have been a prominent mention for our reviewers at the time yeah that's a good point I mean yeah it it certainly isn't sort of right up there with the top 360 games but I don't think so. it is a significant step up from most PS2 games. Okay, fair enough. And let's see, the music, our reviewers seem to be pretty much in agreement that this is not Motoi Sakuraba's finest hour, but that he does a good job. 
It is very much Matoi Sakuraba. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it does. There was a few things that don't be, because I think I'm pretty certain one of the tracks is used in one of the Tales games. I think it's one. I think it's one of the Tales tracks in Tales of Symphonia. But every time I heard it, I could just hear the <laughs> great similarity between the two. <laughs> that guy does a lot of work. He does. I'm, I think his competition count is six, seven games a year, maybe even more. Yeah, it's it's pretty absurd. So I well, I can understand because I have heard these similarities, and I don't have the the Motoi Sakuraba experience that you do, but I still heard it. <laughs> Nevertheless, I happen to like his sound for the most part. Yeah, yeah. It's usually, it's usually not bad. Yeah, I mean it's per- perfectly listen- listenable too. It's not going to bore you to death or anything like that. So, and since does he does, seem it does a job. Okay, Th- that's better than a sheer wall of white noise. <laughs> yeah, one of the things it doesn't do so well audio-wise is the uh, two annoying kid characters. Mm. Not quite starvation for the painful, but still painful. <laughs> That's unfortunate to hear. Children are so easy to mess up as characters. Yeah, this this one achieves that quite well. Oh, goody! Uh, I also read that the voice acting, while varied, is mostly not very good. Yeah, I think the yeah the kids probably have quite a significant part to do with that. But yeah, I mean generally it's okay. But yeah, okay at best, I think. Okay, and let's see, two thousand eight. I don't think I don't think uh, voice acting standards have changed all that much in the last eight years. So whether it would come out the same way if done now is anyone's guess, honestly. Yeah. I'm looking at the list. There's quite a few names I do recognise, although they're not usually the they're not usually the bigger names in voice acting, so maybe it was Square Enix's dub studio that was the problem that was the problem, who knows? Well let's see. I also see that it's supposed to be fairly short. Yeah, yeah, I think it's about 25 hours, which is, I think, in this case, I think that sort of works a lot to, to the game's advantage, because it, sort of, <laughs> it keeps it from actually becoming boring, and it lets the plot move along, and you sort of, it doesn't get bogged down anywhere, really. Okay. Uh, sort of, yeah, one of the situations where you read, you don't want this game to be 40-plus hours. Mm. <laughs> Not if you're... Not if the combat boils down to smack, 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 smack. Yeah. At least I would want that. Yeah. Oh, as smack, 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 smack games go, it's not. It's not. It's not as basic as some of the others, but yeah. Okay. Still, yeah, not not one that's going to hold up for extended periods. Well, let's see. What else is there to talk about? 
I don't think we want to go into a character by character analysis because there's so damn many of them and I'll give you one or two sentences only. <laughs> well that requires me to look up their actual names instead of just Capel and uh his band of freedom fighters. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that's some mean... there's some interesting plot twists to the characters. <laughs> What do you mean, band of moon unchainers? <laughs> See, again, oh, I'm looking at the review instead of... Freedom Fighters, I'm sure, doesn't bring up spell check issues, whereas if you put moon unchainers, that will bring up some spell check issues. Or maybe that's only my spell check program, who knows? That's well, I think they are called the Liberation Force, so... <laughs> Liberation from being chained to the moon. Yep. <laughs> oh, and the and the weird magical stuff that occurs from being chained to the moon. Well, that that stands to reason. Well, I think yeah. If people think is it it's either born on a I think new moon, then they basically have no magical powers whatsoever and are sort of cast out from society. That sounds similar to some other scenarios I remember. Yeah, but that yeah, that is one of the main driving forces for the plot because Capel is one of these people. Uh let let me guess. He succeeds. No, actually it's uh, it's a bit of a surprising plot twist in that they all die at the end. Huh. Okay. No no he succeeds. <laughs> <laughs> you almost had me there. <laughs> I thought Triace was going to try for something truly original. Yes. One of the interesting aspects of the is the fact that Sigmund is uh, Capel's father. Dun, dun, dun! Yeah. Which would be a surprise to people who haven't played much of the game because they are about the same age in the game. Here, this is my, this is my dad. We're about the same age. Yep. Well, that was basically caused by I think Sigmund had a massive uh, heroic blue screen of death when uh, Capel was sort of born and caught and sort of had to be cast out because he was sort of didn't was born on the new moon didn't have the magical powers so he sort of his Capel's father sacrificed himself for his son. Well, That's it, it more... breaking RPG ground right here. Well, he does it twice even. He does it <laughs> enough... Yeah. Oh. Well, he he does it the first time and sort of which causes him to regress into a baby for reasons that, well, all go reasons. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's actually the um, here's the character that or the the party member that dies during the game. <laughs> After he came back from being a baby, I presume. Oh yeah, I think yeah. All the all the coming back from the baby was at the same stuff. Well, before beforehand, yes. That just seems like a lousy lot in life to have to go through all that, come back from being turned into a baby to save your son, and then die anyway. <laughs> Saving your son oh, again. Yeah, well, it's kind of implied he knew exactly what he was doing for about them. <laughs> and so, is Capel? Well, it's just when he sort of regressed to a baby, he sort of actually lost all his memories. 
until I until a sort of plot event sort of gave them all back to him, and then he actually remembered that Capel was his son, etc., etc., etc. Okay. Was Capel worth it? In a in a character sense, is he the kind of guy that you would go? Yes, I would. This is the savior of the race. I would gladly watch him. I would gladly sacrifice myself for him. Um, not at the time when he does the sacrifice. Well, but, that's unfortunate. Yeah, there is. There is. Capel does get a fair bit of character growth in terms of. I mean, at the start of the game, he is basically he just wants to play a flute and just spends the rest of his time trying to run away from everything. Well, by the end of the game, he actually does become a somewhat worthwhile hero. Okay. Well, yes, there are there are a few characters who are none too impressed with his uh, attitudes in the first half of the game. One thing Adrian's review says is that the second half of the pl- of the game's plot is much better than the first half. Yeah, I think that's partly because Capel is being less of a complete prat. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that is a difficult type of character to like is too strong a word. Maybe appreciate. <laughs> yeah, I think especially at the start points. It also helps that uh, it's not the game doesn't move that quickly for the first half, so the, the plot sort of does quicken up quite a bit. So, actually, about the point that Sigmund goes away. Aww. Right as Daddy dies. Okay. That's sad. But Daddy doesn't get to participate in the plot getting good. Well, the question must be asked. For the people who do not own a 360, would this be reason to buy one? No. <laughs> I don't think it has a tremendous fan base that has sprung into being over the past six years, so. Although I could check Game Facts and see what kind of loony threads are going there right now. It's a, it's a game I enjoyed, and I've, I've still got quite a bit of fondness for because it was still one of the sort of first RPGs that I played when I was getting into the genre, so I've. But I do have a bit of yeah nostalgic. Bias Is it there. worth two forty nine? <laughs> it's definitely worth that. That's... <laughs> yeah, I've found I have found it at a pawn shop several times, complete for five bucks. And I'm sure that if I searched really really hard, I could get even even lower than that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a it's a pretty decent way to sort of spend on a. A budget title. It's it's gonna sort of eat up quite a few hours quite nicely. It's it's not really gonna frustrate you like other games might. So okay, yeah, there are worse things than a somewhat entertaining title that doesn't require you to break out in controller rage fits every ten minutes. Okay, well, 
Seems like that uh, Infinite Undiscovery ended up actually being one of our more finite discussions. <laughs> Ironically enough, I think that's like a that's a record at only twenty five minutes. Uh, still, yeah. When, when I'm having to try and lead everything, and it's four a.m., it's a bit different. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we're gonna take a break because we're about to go from a game that sounds like it's super super simple to one that's just slightly deeper. We'll be <laughs> right back. From Star Trek The Undiscovered Country. <laughs> Just kidding. Sorry, I had to get that in there. Two residents of Phil, Fate. if we go from Star Trek The Undiscovered Country, we go straight to Star Trek Generations. We don't want to do that. Yeah, there you go. You go straight to hell. That movie was pretty bad. Uh, that was that was just... Anyway, don't let Captain Kirk being killed by a bridge. Uh, no. Bridge on the captain. Uh, let us... <laughs> That's hilarious. All right. Uh, <laughs> now I'm not going to be able to get it on my head. Residence of Fave, developed by Trace, published by uh, Sega. This was uh, this was uh, developed by Trace. I already said that. This was released on the PlayStation 3. I'm sorry. I've got Captain on the Bridge and Bridge on the Captain on my mind now. Thanks. Uh, this was released on the PlayStation 3 and the Xbox 360 in North America on March 16th at 2010. A single-player RPG video game experience that's about as deep as space itself. Keeping along with, you know, the Star Trek theme instead. Yeah. Residents of Fate, the final frontier. These are the ongoing voyages of trying to figure out its combat system. It's ongoing mission to explore all these mechanics. Seek out how to exploit them and defeat our enemies. To boldly go where no RP gamer has gone before. Take it away, guys. I think this might have been one of the last games I did before they, before they sort of figured that JRPGs don't sell. Yeah, Sega is now the company that Sonic and uh, Fantasy Star Online maybe built. Anyway, we can do the Sega bashing soon enough. We should probably... Let, let's save the complexity for a minute. Resonance of Fate has some characters I actually remember because they showed up in Project X-Zone. <laughs> yeah, it's got a trio of main characters. Uh, Zephyr, 
Fresh Run and uh, the other one. Leanne, yes. Um, and the story actually begins with uh, Zephyr saving Leanne, quote unquote, and then them seemingly falling to their deaths. And then the next scene, they're all okay. And that kind of sets the tone for how strange a lot of this game's story is. Yeah, it, 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 yeah, the story makes little sense for <laughs> quite a lot of the time, but it's yeah. also saved quite a lot by all the character interactions that are really good. Yeah, it, it's it almost seems like uh, the characters themselves don't even really care <laughs> about the main story. Um, but you know the game's kind of broken up into like multiple chapters, and there's kind of like a mini story a lot of times for the different chapters. So yeah, it's it's quite episodic, really. Yeah, and, and I mean the, the there's there isn't like an overall plot about what's going on in this strange like post post apocalyptic world where everyone's living in this weird tower city. But yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, really, the primary point of the story is, you know, the characters, how they grow, and you know how they got together. Uh, it's really all about them. And you, uh, although you know, you can try and figure out the main plot. I'm not sure it's really worth it. Uh, it's interesting to sort of read about after, after the fact and actually go, oh, okay, that's actually what happened yeah yeah <laughs> and it yeah, is just, nice to uh, yeah just don't expect to have any idea what's going yeah. on the first time around it is nice to eventually figure out how they survived that long fall at the beginning of the game is that fall in front of a clock tower by any chance yeah uh, part of it yes see see this is my project X zone memories <laughs> coming in yes and actually I brought Bought Project X Zone for the sole reason that these characters were in that game. FYI. Not because it had characters from Shining Force EXA. Uh, nope. Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> and nope. Okay, just just making sure. Yes. Um, so should we actually go over any of that uh, main plot at all? Um, just I think kinda... it's worth worth doing just to get the stuff about courts and things like that because sure. there's, yeah, there's a weird sort of tower system that basically sort of gets to the side if people, well when people die basically so it has sort of power over life but there's, sort of, there's a thing called well, basically people's lives are tied to a, a court stone basically and when that breaks people die <laughs> yes, and there's yeah. actually there's actually a, uh, I guess, simultaneously funny and heartbreaking moment uh, in the game where an NPC actually punches somebody with <laughs> with his stone and basically kills himself. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah, that's sort of the bit where sort of things start going horribly wrong after that character just bites it because before then he was primarily the comic relief. Yeah character up until he did that and then became the Knight of Cerberus. 
But yeah, I think you've got two sort of main antagonists trying to actually sort of break free of the sort of weird court system, try to do it in different ways in the end. And I think it turns out that they're both successful, but who knows what happens in that? <laughs> surely, surely we'll find out in the sequel, right? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, Tri-Ace games are constantly getting sequels because they <laughs> they sell to the mass audience. <laughs> so what you're saying is that anybody who plays this solely for the story and is hoping that it will be wrapped up in a completely tidy fashion without needing to hope that for fan fiction uh, is... Well... <laughs> Oh, no, it, it wraps up okay, I think. It's... Yeah, I, I think... That, yeah, there is obvious room for a sequel if such a thing was wanted, but yeah, I think it reaches uh, a fairly decent stopping point. Even I mean, like it's we a said, confusing one. Like we said okay. before, uh, you know, there's a there's the main like story about what's going on in the world, and then there's just the story of the characters, and that is largely well-developed and reaches a nice conclusion. So, um, although you may be left wanting more of, like, the gameplay and the uh, more of those characters, I think it uh, uh, largely has a decent ending. Okay. You know, you're not, le- you're not left going, like, um, you know, I fell in love with these characters, what the heck happened to them? You know, their story wraps up rather nicely. Just that the world in which they live never feels like you completely understand it? Yeah. Yeah, I'd say that. Or And, you know, you certainly never have any idea what the heck is happening next for the world, but uh, at least the characters you like, you know, kind of know what happened to them, so... All right, and and you know since that's the main focus the whole most of the way through, uh, you know that that is probably the best way to do it. But I mean, another interesting thing about this game is, um, you know, obviously, it is there is a story, and you know you spend a lot of time with these characters. Actually, in each chapter, uh, most of the story happens like at the beginning and the end of the chapter so the rest the rest of the time is solely focused on you playing the game uh, there's not a lot of like long story interruptions there's some cut, occasional cutscenes in the middle of a chapter but largely you're kind of free to do whatever side quests are available there work on the story mission uh, wander around unlocking stuff you're really you know free uh, to move at your own pace and, you know, not a lot in the way of interruptions at all, so it really kind of breaks from the norm of a lot of at least more modern JRPGs that kind of are constantly shoving the story in your face. This, um, you kind of know when the story is going to happen and, you know, you're free to uh, wander around and do whatever as much as you want and, you know, go there when you're ready, so... Uh, this that was one of the most unexpected things for me when playing with this game, especially considering some of Trius's other games, you know, like uh, certain recent 
most recent Star Ocean title. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I think everyone who remembers a few years back on RP Gamer remembers the storm that caused. Mm hmm. Deservedly, I think. As I recall, most of that storm was caused by people who had yet to play the game and were just blindly accepting that whatever Triace and Square a- Enix do is going to be golden. Yeah, I think that was that. I think there's a bit of similarity between Starish and this one is that it's a it's got some of these solid gameplay, but the sort of plot throws off quite a lot of things. But I think Resonance of Fate handled the plot stuff a whole lot better. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, that's not much of a recommendation that it handled the plot better than The Last Hope. Yeah, oh, that, that's more than saying it's a game, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so should we talk about the incredibly complicated gameplay that uh, probably um, is threw lots of people off. We probably should. Do we... Do we uh, I mean, do you have anything else to say on the story? Uh, I guess we could sort of go on to the localization because that plays, uh, a, yeah, pretty that's, good, that's a, good plays a pretty good part in how well it works. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's got a fantastic voice cast. It's got Nolan North as one of the characters who does a really good job yeah, no, North uh, is excellent in this one. Yeah, and I'm not sure of some of the other ones. They're de- they were definitely a lot of familiar voices. Oh, there's Scott, there's Scott Menfall, who sounds pretty much exactly like Lloyd from Tales of Symphonia, but <laughs> he he does a good he does a very good job as well. But yeah, yeah. In ge- in general, the voice acting is sort of it is very good in this game. So. Yeah, especially because there's kind of some weird, goofy moments in there that uh, they definitely all handled really well. So, uh, well, we have a nope. <laughs> <laughs> uh We're gonna have to have Phil you, put you a link in for that somewhere. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. There's lots of little goofy moments in this game. Uh, yeah, that's that's another nice thing is the story doesn't always take itself so seriously. Uh, there's plenty of just funny little moments that the characters goofing off. Yeah, there is a Christmas episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's there's a whole chapter, uh, a whole Christmas chapter, uh, where in the combat instead of like shooting at monsters, you throw like presents at kids. Yep. And or or throw other stuff at kids. Cause I yeah, <laughs> it's great. <laughs> It sounds dumb, but it's it's great. It's a lot of fun, and in, this game is a lot of fun in general, actually. As we'll go into. Oh, oh localization. Uh, Sega did a good job, right? Yes. Yeah, very much so. Yes. Although we could we could probably you know grumble at Sega for probably not marketing this game enough. Uh, their localization part department. Uh, probably couldn't have done a better job, really. Well, Especially for kind of an odd game. 
yeah, Sega did a lot of good localizations in the late 90s, early 2000s. For all the, for all the things Sega did wrong with Shining Force 3, and there were a lot, Scenario <laughs> 1 got a good localization. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't want to come down on the people who worked hard on that. We, you agree with me, Mr. Abs? I would definitely agree. Uh, not the the certain voice acting elements. I'm again, I'm going straight with translation here. Okay. Yes, translation was great. <laughs> no complaints. Okay. <laughs> and Skies of Arcadia had a very good localization. Yeah, I still need to play that one. And I'm sure there are others that I don't have on the have at my brain ready to go yet, but um, the company could do good work in this regard, not in every regard. Oh no, but that yeah, we'll we'll get to that with well, the reception. Um, there's a reason okay. we keep coming back to Sega despite everything they've put us through. I guess that leaves us with delving, starting to hit the mechanics. Oh my. Yes. Be fun. Yeah. Oh. So the combat is um, um, turn-based and real-time. Uh, I don't know what? how to turn-based exactly... and real-time? Nah. Turn-based and real-time. It's uh, yes, it's a turn-based real-time strategy RPG. That that can't be right. All decks, red alert. <laughs> Whoop. <laughs> Whoop. Keep going. I got my phasers uh, armed. You sound like you're talking some sacrilege talk there, boy. Well, there's turn-based and I... there's real-time, and never the two shall meet. Unless, of course, we're talking about Valkyrie Chronicles, then it's okay. It, well, yeah, it, then there is some similarity between the two. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. I, I'll hear yeah. you. My fingers on the red button, I'll, but I'll listen to you. <laughs> so you've got a party of the three main characters. Uh, there's there are some parts where you'll have less than that, but that's not really important right now. So uh, there's two prime. So you're using. A, pretty much all guns and grenades in this game. So there's pretty much two types of guns. There's machine guns and <coughs> regular guns. So the machine guns do a different type of damage called scratch damage, which um, I don't know the best way to describe it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Basically, basically the 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 guns that do actual damage, the handguns don't do a ton of damage, but they will turn any scratch damage you've done into actual damage. So that's basically how the two work off each other. Yeah. So yeah, uh, the scratch damage will sort of basically regenerate. Yes. Yeah. So the basic way to stop it is just shooting once for a handgun, and that'll turn it. And that will sort of make sure that it that damage sort of gets stays. Uh, so the, the idea of scratch damage is kind of the core idea behind the combat. So each of your characters 
So it, so it's turn based, but you can kind of manipulate who you want to use at the moment, um, which is so obviously a lot of times you're going to be starting with whoever has a machine gun equipped, so you can do some scratch damage. Uh, but when you move a character around, kind of the the enemies move around, uh, stuff like that. But generally, you're not going to want to be moving around like that. Uh, the core behind the combat here is uh, uh, what the heck are those points called? Oh, bezel, bezel points. Is it? Yes. Yes. So you'll have a thing called bezel points, uh, starting off with the low number early on in the game, and eventually you can earn more in a variety of different ways. What they let you do is have a character kind of run across the battlefield uh, and not be able to be shot or anything. Bezel points are all about doing really cool stuff. Yes. Basically, you do lots, lots yeah. of flips, lots of... Uh... <laughs> yeah. So you can you kind of run across, and as you're as the character's running, a meter will fill up, and then you can use your gun when it fills up. And there's certain advantages to letting the meter fill up uh, to different lengths, like it'll do more damage or have other effects. <coughs> and you can also jump. You can also turn the run into a jump, where they'll just kind of flip around in the air until they reach the end of the run. And the advantage there is, uh, well, maybe I don't want to get to that yet, but uh, yeah, there's a lot yeah. to this battle. There's a lot to this battle system, but yeah, uh, enemies it, like, it will let you sort of target from different angles, so you'll be able to sort of yeah. attack them from above or. Well, the important thing there is what you do. The, there's that, but the important thing there is uh, enemies with multiple parts. When you're in the air, you'll kind of fire at all the parts, whereas if you're running on the ground, you'll only fire at what like what's right in front of you. Yeah, yeah. Basically, all all of these sort of fancy stuff will be done sort of on the bezel points, and they're always it's always far more effective than just doing a standard attack. Yeah, the the standard attack is really just there for uh, uh, desperate situations when you run out of bezel points. Yeah, or, or for sort of <laughs> set, setting up a <laughs> sure one to use sort of the next turn. Sure. I think sort of at, at the beginning you might sort of of a battle you might sort of have to hang around a bit just to set things up. But yeah, yeah, especially especially early on when you don't have a lot of bezel points to work with. Yeah, but yeah. most of the game is about doing as many flips and fancy moves as possible. Yeah, um, so. Killing enemies, or I believe in like bigger enemies, taking out some of their parts, like you know, enemies will have shields and armor and stuff like that, will restore the meter. So you you kind of have to strategically plan things out um, and how you use those points, <coughs> um, and make sure you're taking out enough to keep your bezel points, keep the bezel points up, so you can kind of keep using them and. Uh, keep combat going, and um, your en- the enemies do get turns. Like after you've used the turn, they'll get to move. Uh, so it's also important to um, where you place your characters after these runs. Um, you know, so you're gonna do like a lot of having characters run across, setting up runs like from one piece of cover to another piece of cover. So there's there's really a lot involved, and it, it can be it can uh, take you a bit to really get the hang of the battle system, because um, 
I don't think the the game does a really great job of explaining the most important systems. Yeah, uh, there's like, a lot of yeah, sort of le- learning as you go along. It's not <laughs> yeah. The tutorial is far from the best. Yeah, and the, there is tutorial is long. The problem is the tutorial the tutorial spends a lot of time on some uh, mechanics where you can like uh, juggle enemies and stuff like that That's without so really. Yeah, but it spends a lot of time telling you how to do that without really kind of driving the point home on, uh, you know, how to like win at the battle system. It's like, oh, you can do these cool things, but maybe we should have spent more time teaching you the importance of these bezel points. Um. So in addition to all that. There's also different ammo types and grenades you can work with. Uh, as if and are, are these expendable? Enough. Yes. So you'll have an infinite amount of normal ammo, except for grenades. There's no like infinite grenades. But all the special ammo and grenades, you have limited amounts. Um, and there's some really powerful ones you can find, too. Like there's... Uh, bullets that'll go right through any armor which are the best uh, you know there's da- there's bullets that do like flame damage and electricity damage and stuff like that and enemies there... will obviously have different weaknesses and stuff are there any silver bullets? I don't think so but I don't. you also don't find any werewolves so it's all good that's almost a shame <laughs> Um, and there's also there's also something you can kind of switch to to like use healing items and, or use items to examine an enemy to see what their weaknesses are. Um, so there's a lot, a lot to really take in and figure out what to do. So um, this game is definitely not for the faint of heart. Um, yeah, expect to have to repeat quite a few battles. Yeah, the, there is it, a... it, it, Yeah, it's a good thing. It's one of the ones that really does sort of. You do get a really nice reward, rewarding feeling when you do take down a tough fight on this. Yeah, and the game does let you restart a battle for the cost of a bit of money. Um, but you know, it, it's how, nice to how have much that is option. a bit? I uh, I, I think it, it's sort of like percentage. Yeah. Uh, like, I think it will. It will actually, even if you sort of. There were numerous occasions where I completely ran out of money, and it just said, yeah. "Okay, right, you can't avoid." It, but it will still let you retry. Yeah, it's pretty forgiving in that regard. Yeah, and it's quite easy to rebuild your money afterwards as well. So. Yeah. So. I mean, you can use that option at any time. So if you kind of mess up and you're like, "Well, it might take a bit for me to actually like fail to get to that screen." You know, you have the option to just restart it. Uh, so you know, there could be a bit of a trial and error as you're trying to learn how some things work. But yeah, it, it's extremely rewarding when you pull it off, especially against some of the uh, tougher bosses and things like that. You know, there are a lot of side quests. Like I was enjoying this game so much, I actually did like almost every single side quest in the game. Uh, so you can get cool items to kind of curve the difficulty a bit. There's also uh, a really cool uh, way that you customize your guns. 
which I'm sure some people have seen pictures of, where you have like these ridiculous charts of all these weird attachments to your gun. Yeah, uh, seventeen barrel gun is quite possible. <laughs> so it looks completely ridiculous. Uh, but it is a cool customization system where you can kind of buy some parts and kind of—I don't really want to call it a puzzle game, but it almost is to some extent. Figuring out, you know, the best ways to add all these attachments. Yeah, to it's just yeah, the it's stats. It's quite similar on. to the Resident Evil Four inventory system that you're sort of trying to put as much things into a sort of small grid, small space as possible. Yeah. <laughs> and in addition, addition to that, uh, your character. Uh, this that adds like to the I think it's called weight of the gun, which uh, your characters have a certain limit of what they can carry. So if you want to really deck out these guns, your characters have to be a higher level. Uh, and yeah, you can also um, so your your character can kind of. Uh, either carry two guns into battle or carry a gun and something else like a gun and the what I forget what it's called but something that lets you use healing items and stuff or a gun and the thing that lets you change your bullets um, so you can go crazy with uh, characters with double guns which is always fun uh, so yeah uh, yes dual wielding is always fun Reminds me of Halo 2 for some reason. <laughs> in addition to that, uh, the world map in this game uh, is kind of its own puzzle game. Uh, you, like, you will be re- rewarded in battle different types of hexes, like different colors and different shapes, and you use these to unlock the world map uh, to get to wherever you need to go or to unlock optional areas. And actually, there's a lot of hidden items you can find just by unlocking stuff on the map. Uh, yeah, yeah, you have sort of each. Floor so even just getting like around the game is interesting. You know, you're not just gonna every sort of battle you win, you'll get rewarded by sort of a, a few hacks can sort of combine into certain shapes. Yep. And you, and you sort of have to basically fill out the grid using these shapes. So I mean, you'll get you'll get some bits that can only be accessed if you have the right. Shape because all the others sort of won't fit. Yeah. So yeah. it could be, it could be an interesting diversion, you know, like trying to figure out where I can get where you can get certain hexes to get to certain areas. Obviously, <laughs> some stuff is locked based on what chapter you're in. So. Yeah, I but, think yeah, it'll use sort of colors. So if you don't have the certain color, then you won't be able to place the hex, etc. Yeah. So that. But I mean, eventually you are allowed a lot of freedom as far as exploration. Uh, well, that's definitely different than most big-budget games in the last <laughs> decade or so. Um, the, yeah, what I would say about this game is that it is very, very different. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, if you're if you're going into this game... Like, I went in with certain expectations just based on being a Trius game and some of the things I had read, and you know, even that, it's, it certainly was not what I was expecting at all. Well, before you got the game, what expectations did you have? Had you been following it avidly with all the pre-release publicity? Uh, certainly not. 
uh, and certainly not after some bad Trius experiences, uh, actually from Star Ocean 3. <laughs> I gather um, you're not the only one there. <laughs> uh, but, you know, with some prodding and just basic curiosity reading about the game, I eventually just said, you know, whatever, I'll give it a try, and was absolutely shocked by what I played. Which doesn't happen often, you know. <laughs> yeah, there is only one resonance of fate. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, well, I don't think I actually knew too much about gameplay stuff when I went into it. I think I was mostly sold because I sort of like the setting and sort of the way that the visual stuff these things so but yeah it was definitely something that clicked with me when I started playing it yeah I mean I think I, I was playing this when I was still playing uh, Final Fantasy 13 and this quickly uh, replaced my Final Fantasy 13 yeah, time yeah I think that was another problem <laughs> that this came out pretty much I think around the same time as 13 so yeah yeah, and, I, I and think this is going to win. <laughs> and no, that's not because I didn't like Final Fantasy Thirteen. Anyone that knows me knows, like, I'm one of the biggest fans of that game. So, I have heard this. You are an ardent defender of Thirteen whenever it comes yes. up. So, yeah, that should tell you how much this game just blew me away. Um, and there's also the soundtrack, which. Uh, this game was lucky enough to have two composers on it. Was one of them Motoi Sakuraba? Yes, it was, actually. <laughs> Wait, but composing for Triace? Well, that's just mind-blowing. Yes. He never does that. I know. So weird. Uh, well, before we get into that, actually, uh, there's one element to the combat I completely forgot, and that's the... Um... Oh, God, what the heck was it called? Try attacks or try something. Oh yeah. Um. Yeah, but yeah, it's, I, it's, I think was it an extended bezel cost? But it basically meant you could sort of use all three characters in the fancy. Um, I think. Doing the I, hero think stuff. I think it costs the same amount of bezels, but you know, it's basically. Um. Aramid, um. I. Th- there's there's some I think other... there's some there's some other requirement that I can't remember what it was. Yeah, there's some other requirement. I I really don't remember what it was. I think they have to like cross certain paths a certain number of times or something. Uh, oh, yes, but... that's true. They, uh, yeah, I think they have to. No, they have to run sort of in between the other two. I think one of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is probably sounding really confusing to anyone listening to this. Yeah. Uh, but basically, what the try attack lets you do is. Um, they kind of run in a run around enemies in like a triangle and they all get to they all get to fire off their attacks um, which has a potential to do a ton of damage and is especially useful but it you know since they're running in this triangle it really depends on how you position them so are they Uh, running or are they stationary they're they're all running. Okay. Yeah. So it can be really hard to set up because, you know, if you have if one of the edges is really short, then then that'll kinda of make the whole tri attack really short. 
Uh, so you kind of have to position them carefully. And yeah, so it's kind of tough to use. I'm actually, I don't think I used it a ton, um, but it, it is. Yeah, it, it can be useful if you set it up right, and that's kind of another thing that the tutorials probably spends a bit too much time talking about. Hmm. Um, so back to the soundtrack. Uh, so you've got you know, good old faithful Sakuraba doing uh, he does like kind of all the rock tracks on the soundtrack um, there's a lot of the battle music and some stuff in a few other places and then um, the other composer's name is escaping me at the moment but it's the same composer that works worked on Gravity Rush and um the Sakura Wars. Yes, it's um, Kohi Tanaka. Yeah, that's it. Yep. Yeah, that, uh, that man has a lot of experience. Yeah. And that's that's definitely my favorite. Uh, that would be. Uh, his work would definitely be my favorite part of the soundtrack, which is all like the symphonic stuff. There's a lot of great stuff there. Uh, yeah, what was I going to say about that? And surprisingly, the two mix together pretty well. Okay. Uh, so you kind of get get the symphonic stuff uh, going around towns, the world map, some story sequences, and then you'll get the rock tracks and combat, um, certain cinematics and stuff like that. It, it all just I don't know. It just—it's really good, and you know, a lot of this you're not really going to get your typical. You know, is this something from a Tales game here? It's a lot more distinct music, I would say. Yeah, it's a lot less generic than uh, Infinite Discovery was. Yeah, I don't really have much else to say about that game or about this game. It's uh, great. Yeah, yeah that's, no, that's, that's, that's. I think. Sorry. <laughs> no, you go ahead because I was gonna go on the because I think we spoke about the visuals of Infinite Undiscovery and sort of how that was okay, but Resonance of Fate does up those ones quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a significant upgrade here, at least. Yeah, some of the environments might get a bit generic at times, but largely the visual look is really good. Especially a lot of the towns and stuff like that. <coughs> oh, and you can um, change the costumes for your character. Oh, yeah, you guys play dress up. Yeah. <laughs> Has no effect in combat or anything, but you can uh, mess around with their costumes to your heart's content. Which I can, think it which... was it was the primary use of money that I had was just go buy around this place. <laughs> and if you change uh, them like eight times in battle, do you activate your superpowers? No, you can't uh, you change. Can't, you can't do it in battle. Yeah. Alright, it going back to X two. I mean, it sounds kind of silly, but I actually ended up doing it a fair amount just because it's kind of fun to give them all like your own distinct look, distinct look, yeah. and all all the. 
or at least most of the cutscenes are all like in engine, so they'll be wearing whatever you've put put on them, which can be yeah, funny think, at times. Think, yeah, I think it's basically just sort of opening or I think flashbacks that use that don't use these ones, and they're actually they're actually quite stylish all the designs as well because it's a yeah, it's sort of quite a modern. Well, it's well, it's not modern. It's sort of near near future apocalyptic setting, but yeah. And how long did it take you to complete? Uh, 50 hours, I think. Yeah, that sounds about right, I think. And if you if you replayed it now, knowing everything about the combat system, how long would it take you? About the same? Mm, I'd say about the, maybe yeah, a tiny bit less. Yeah, I think it's maybe a few hours less, but I think not, it won't have, won't have too much of an effect. Okay. That, that means you didn't spend too many credits or whatever, reviving yourself after failure, I guess. Uh, I did, but I imagine I'd need to do that again anyway. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'd have forgotten by now what each... You, you sort of have to... Each boss does have a different... requires a different tactic, so you sort of need to probably spend one just reminding yourself which tactic I need to use for that one. Yeah. Just discovering the weaknesses, figuring out which move works best. And the final few battles are pretty tough. Well, that's often the fashion in video games so I can't hold it there so how many uh, new game pluses did you go for I actually didn't finish the first one and it's something I'm definitely going to go back to are you going to try and get all Uh, no I don't think I'd even do that in Dark Souls and that's a lot shorter to play through yeah, this game does the usual try thing I think you start off with only having access to normal difficulty and then when you complete a new game, you get the new game plus with a hard difficulty, and then that basically keeps ramping up every time you do the new game plus, where yeah. it just sort of add, it adds on sort of more health and damage to the to the opponents, and it does that up to ten times. <laughs> yeah, well, which you know could be fun if <coughs> you really want to do it, but the game is hard enough the first time through. Yeah. <laughs> Well, okay, sounds like y'all had a fun and exciting venture. The question, it worth it at yep. $12.95? Uh, yes. Okay, okay, yep. okay. What about... Buy a copy for a friend while you're at it. What about Why brand not? new in the shrink wrap for 60 bucks? Yep. Yep. Pull that trigger. If I, yeah, I probably would have... There's actually a there's actually a brand new one for thirty one bucks, but you know our listeners deserve the best, and clearly the one that's twice the price of all the other ones listed must be better somehow. I think you can also get it digitally on, on both Xbox Live and PSN for like twenty bucks. That'd be a pretty big download, though, wouldn't it? Uh, I don't. I actually bought it on PSN. I don't think it was that bad. Yeah, not not any bigger than any of the other games. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's not like some of the other uh, Tri-Ace-related Xbox slash PS3 games that have tons of pre-rendered cinematics or anything well, like that. See, it's you not mentioned a huge Final download. Fantasy XIII, that's coming out on PC soon. I'm sure that'll be a sizable download. I think it's like 30 gigs or something like that. I, I think that's actually already out, too. Yeah, that's, that's what the average is. Yeah, it's huge. And it is not that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, generally, I would just go ahead and buy. It. Um, 
for that much space. Uh, but uh, regardless, yeah, you can get either way. Sounds like it's completely worth it. I picked it up. I have not actually beat it, but it's sitting in my backlog collection just because of uh, the reviews that I read at RP Gamer going into mechanics. It sounded so original, and, and so I like original games. I like to at least have them, but even if I don't complete them, even if I don't beat them, I just like popping in something different from time to time. Of course, this doesn't sound like just a pop it in and play real quick game, though. Sounds yeah, a little sounds too like really. you could try it. Uh, yeah, not really, but you know, there's the benefit of you're not going to be watching a lot of story. You know, if you're actually going to sit down and play it, you're going to be playing it. And that's and you know that's personally for me that's 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 also one of the yeah I remember reading that reviews and. For me, that's cool because I love a good story in my RPG, but if I had to choose between one or the other, people know I'd rather go for the gameplay because I can always read a good book. So Yeah, well, I mean, it, I'm perfectly okay with a game that's heavy on story, but it is nice to have both. And I think oh, it's, it's, kinda, always, it's always better to have both. Yeah. yeah. I think we've kind of... Uh, too many games have gone the other way, and it was as evidenced by the fact that it was refreshing in this game where kind of lets you play a lot and there's a story and you kind of take things at your own pace and you're not drowned in lots of heavy cutscenes. You know, it's it's nice to have that change of pace. Fair enough. We're going to take a little break and we'll be right back. back this is the final lap uh, the last segment of the show where we read your comments we tell you what's coming up next we tell you what we're playing we just shoot the breeze it's the kitchen sink it's the final lap and uh oh boy mr binky dude do we have quite a few comments this time around we got tweets we got emails we got forum posts Whew. So we're going to read them all, and uh, at the end of the show, of course, I always recap the many ways you too can participate in the discussion about your favorite RPGs from the way back when right up through yesteryear. So let's start off with uh, with our forum comments, because uh, last episode, number 130, Night of the Living Vagrants, drew a few comments uh, about Vagrant Story mm-hmm. and uh, Dragon Quest IV, since I did one of my RPG Trek segments, and we talked about that in detail. Why don't you uh, kick this one off, Mr. Mickey, by reading what Mr. Balance said. Do you have that pulled up? I've got it. All right. I loved Vagrant Story. The plot is like some strange manga story, but the Church Elite Squad reminded me of Final Fantasy Tactics and actually some of the Fire Emblem theocratic types as well. The dress of the characters was so ridiculous that I thought, Okay, I need to suspend my disbelief and concentrate on the weapons. Speaking from my own experience, yes, those are 
such outlandish outfits that suspending your disbelief is a good idea. Loved the whole ridiculous weapon crafting. It became a crazy quest to make the one weapon to rule them all for me. Something that could do blunt, edge, pierce, and dragon kill. I collected weapons like crazy for the materials and combined them in my mania, but I actually think I had to cobble together a crossbow near the end just to defeat the final boss. The puzzles weren't bad. The backdrops and graphics were quite atmospheric, but it was all just fodder for my weapon quest. <laughs> the weapon combining reminded me of another game from the same era, Parasite Eve, is what he seems to think. It was some massive skyscraper full of enemies and guns. Yeah, that sounds like Parasite Eve, the second ending, which I never got. Where he also combined guns like crazy until he got a super one. And apparently the story had a similarity to Parasite Eve, involving crazy mutants convinced they're God. And anybody who, expect, who expected Vagrant Story to be some bizarre hobo simulator RPG where you have to beg for bootleg liquor money and survive bad winters and fight for your turf will be, unfortunately, disappointed. Parasite Eve, isn't that the game where you uh, get your clothes blown off? You know, you're playing the hot chick detective and she loses clothes as she goes along? That's the third birthday. <laughs> you're just doing that so that if Sam is listening... That's right. <laughs> yep. Smack says recorded Dragon Quest Four Chapter Six is interesting. And if somebody brought that up. Uh, they asked. Uh, asked. I. I don't think we talked about it on the show, right? I think that was the problem. Was I didn't mention Chapter Six on the show? Maybe I did. Maybe I didn't. I don't remember. But I didn't. I didn't actually uh, play the the sixth chapter because I played the game to the conclusion, got the end credits. Yay! It asked me, did I want to save? Yes. A little bit of curiosity had me reload my save game, and I ended up – I was there at Indoor, and I figured maybe that was just so you could play the gambling house until the cows come home. So I took one look at that. I said, okay, done. Moving on to Dragon Quest V now. But uh, it was really funny. When I was doing the – when I was writing up my walkthrough, my journal for it, I forgot one of the names of the city, so I dived into a fac. And as I was looking at the name of that last city – uh, that's where I saw that there was in the, in the table of contents it said chapter 6 I was like what chapter 6 I only played 5 chapters and that's where I saw that there was an optional chapter <laughs> after I had already started started to write up the review and the such we talked so. about it last time just oh we did oh okay delve too much Ah, cool, cool. So uh, Smack says that Chapter 6 is interesting and adds some resolution to Sorrow's story, but it wasn't really necessary. Um, he's been replaying on the Android, and yes, the party chat really adds to it. Right now, it's really the definitive version of the game. Um, yeah, you know, boy, that, that, that also depends on how much you just love playing on your cell phone. I have tried numerous games on my cell phone, and I absolutely refuse to do it anymore. I carry around a two electronic devices in my pocket at all times my cell phone and usually my one my ds or my vita so yeah i just i, I know the inner party chat is kind of cool uh, i'm playing dragon quest 5 now which has inner party chat it, it, it's okay i mean it definitely adds some depth to the character so i imagine in, in dragon war quest 4 it'd be super helpful since the other characters seem to stop growing <laughs> you know at chapter 5 i, I, lo I loved party chat in dragon quest 5 that I got a different wife than you did, so... Oh, you got the... Uh, hearing yeah. Her, hearing her constantly haranguing me about how... Do you know how privileged you are to be able to haul around my baggage and to have me just walk around with you around this incredibly unremarkable world because it only has me in it when I'm there? All the places without me in them are obviously not very interesting until I get there. That That's the kind of person she is, and she's just hilarious to listen to. 
Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, and my yeah, my wife isn't quite that interesting since I went for the town childhood, uh, you know, girlfriend type of thing. But uh, but half the time it's the monsters, and then I just went through the tower where she's not with you, and it's just monsters going, "Yeah, don't eat me! Oh, I'm a monster!" I'm just like, you got party? Ch-. Yeah, so I guess in Dragon Quest Four would be better. So, anyways, uh, Smack says that. Uh, Phil, that would be me. I also mentioned that he, I had a hard time finding boomerangs. Sounds like they were actually nerfed in the DS remake. The regular boomerang seems to be replaced with the hunter's bow, which is single target only, unfortunately. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't even remember finding... Of course, this was like, we're talking like 20 years ago when I played the original NES version. The first time I actually remember going, oh my gosh, the boomerang was when I was playing the, the, the remake of, I think it was 2. Um because uh, I, you know, to me it was a surprise. I had played Dragon Warrior 4. I don't remember finding a physical weapon that let me hit all enemies, but then again, it was 20-some years ago, so I could have forgotten <laughs> about it as well. I will tell you what, though. It's in Dragon Warrior 5. The Edge Boomerang has been my hero's weapon for a good 12 hours now. So why don't you say, tell us what Texize had to say. Oh, let's see here. Boy, things have been busy. I had a question about last week's episode. For it, never played Drat Vagrant Story. I know a friend who swears by it, though her remarks were basically all about the story being great. So the gameplay never got brought up much. Wow. That seems like a lot to swallow. That your friend was somehow able to just not go into the gameplay at all. Does that seem like a lot to swallow for you, Phil? Mm-hmm. It sounds like it has about four good ideas and mixes those four ideas into one battle system. Much like mixing meat, pecans, and molasses, and molasses, pumpkin filling, and potatoes into one pie shell. Y- you know what? Yes, that does sound like, kind of like a war on Thanksgiving, which is a war that should never be waged. That was my impression of it. Dragon Quest IV on the NES was a formative RPG for Techside, and the DS Premium was a great one. It was one of those well-timed games for us older fogies, where we had the first RPG with a plot and a cat and a full actual named cast stateside. It was special. Glad to hear it still measures up. Yeah, it absolutely is special. I, it's a great 30-hour... I mean, there's all these retro RPGs, and I'm not really knocking them, but it shows that there's a hunger out there for uh, good JRPGs, classic JRPGs. And uh, and I'm just telling y'all, if you haven't played Dragon Quest you know, four in a while, or at all, heaven forbid, you'd need to find a way to play Dragon Quest four. It's that good. Uh, let's see. Ve- do, do, do. Uh, that was text. Vector says uh, asked what title I had at the end. Uh, apparently, your your character gets titles, and and I think I'm starting. To, I think I noticed that when I read the comment in Dragon Quest Five. Can't pull up my status screen at the moment, though. I got my DS here, but unfortunately, I'm turned to stone, which means that while I can observe everything going on around me, I cannot look at my status screen. Anywho, I, I did notice I had a title earlier uh, in number five. So apparently in four, you had attainable titles. Ha. 
He said you could also fight the Chapter 6 dungeon bosses repeatedly to get Sorrow's best equipment and a weirdo villager for your town. Yeah, that was in addition to the DS version. I, I don't think I brought that up, but there is a villager town that you can kind of grow, and it uses some street pass crap or whatever. Totally ignored it. Just, just yeah. I, I saw what that was. It was like, now turn on your Wi-Fi and walk around. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, there's a ton of people in Utah right now who are playing Dragon Quest Four. And we'll swap villagers. No, no, not really. Um, anywho. Uh, so in Dragon Quest V, he advises sticking with a Slime Knight. Uh, I am 20-some hours. I'll talk a little bit more about it in just a minute, but I'm 20-some hours in, and I still got the Slime Knight. So, yes, he is awesome. Uh, he, he advises to get a Cure Heal Slime. I tried. I got frustrated. I gave up. Uh, so I'm yeah the, you know it seems to give me every other monster but the cure and heal slime so meh stupid ass game anyways um, uh, Dragon Quest 5 post game bosses aren't too difficult but continuing the Dragon Quest tradition he'll tell you that the fight was unimpressive if you take more than 15 turns so I, I probably won't experience that either <laughs> or I get to do move on to 6 I, 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 got a, I got a deadline to beat on these things so the goal is to be completely done with six by the end of the year. I'm only about halfway through five. It's November. And then to start tackling that huge behemoth called seven. So, which Miki's going to join me on. We will suffer together. Yes, uh, thank you for enabling me there, Phil. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you so much. Uh, and geez, it looks like we encouraged Mac to go find his copy of Dragon Quest Four and go grab it and play it again. Or at least look at his title. So that's pretty cool. So, and a couple more tips about uh, recruiting Dragon Quest V from Victor, which will let you go on the boards and peruse those yourself uh, if you're playing Dragon Quest V with me. You can learn more by reading our forums. We also have an email, don't we, Mr. Mike? We have a couple of them, actually, depending yeah. upon which of us you wish to reach. Ah, so what you got for us today? Well, let's see here. This was forwarded on to us by wonderful Michael Cunningham positive feedback I love your site and the way you guys review games the fact that you must finish the game before you can form a solid opinion is fantastic uh, I will add something in here we may often have an opinion that is fully formed long before the game is completed but we finish it anyway I wish other sites and agencies would follow suit because after five hours of playing a game you cannot form an informed response and yeah, with most modern games, five hours just generally not enough to come anywhere close to finishing. Another thing, thanks for hosting the RPG Backtrack on your side as well. It's my favorite podcast. Just wanted to give you guys some positive affirmation to let you know that I appreciate everybody's hard work that goes into this. Matthew, David? Hey, we, yeah, we really appreciate uh, good comments uh, like that. We certainly appreciate you thanking the, uh, the guys uh and our editor-in-chief for uh, uh, allowing us to host the show on the servers because it does take us space. It does take up bandwidth. Uh, none of that is uh, is free. You help uh, to sponsor this when you go and visit our site and all those little advertisements pop up. That's how they pay the bills from what I understand. But uh, definitely your positive comments uh, makes them aware that this is something that you appreciate. So thank you so much for the good comments. Do you have any other emails, Mr. Mike? It's the only one I've got. All I hear right. you got some tweets, though. Yeah, it's all about the tweet verse this week. Oh, my gosh, I, I, I got some tweets. It's, it's been pretty crazy. I, I got this kind of snarky remark from some guy called Ask Wheels. 
I just tweeted that I was opening, you know, got back from uh, work. I had to, I was out of town for a week. Oh, said I was yes. opening some packages. <laughs> and I heard about this. Yeah. Did you get a wonderful, excellent surprise? You know, so so <laughs> I want you guys. I want you. I want you guys to sit back in your chairs, close your eyes for a minute, and imagine Phil's world. Phil works very hard. This week we had to record the show late on the weekend because I got called out for an emergency takeover operation. I work for a hotel company, and they needed me to fly out to Fort Lauderdale, so I have to stop and drop what I'm doing, put my personal life on hold, get on a plane, fly all the way to Fort Lauderdale, where on the way back, it's very uncomfortable. I hate planes. I hate flying. There's nothing I like about them. And on the way back, I'm stuck between these really two big fat guys, one who clearly had enchiladas for lunch and could not stop passing gas. And I'm literally getting nauseous sitting next to him. And I'm trying to think, what would Miss Manners do here? How do you politely say somebody needs to squeeze their chin? I, I don't know, but I could. you're trapped on the plane. You're Anyways, finally, finally land. I get home. I'm exhausted. I'm tired. And, of course, you know, uh, Shirley has saved all of the mail for me on the kitchen table. And in the middle of it is, is, a, is a package. You know, so I'm going through the bills and I'm like, I'm tweeting. Yeah, I'm, I'm catching up guys doing my bills. Just got back. You know, I'll never, I very rarely tweet when I'm actually out on the road. But once I get back, I'll tweet because that's, you know, I don't want everyone to know I'm out of town. But um, so I'm sitting there opening up the packages and it looks like there's a game inside. I'm like, oh, that's right. Somebody said he was going to send me a really cool Vita game that he enjoyed. He was going to pass it on. How cool is that? Right. No, no. On the front of it, <laughs> as if my stress levels weren't high enough from being fatigued and exhausted and being in a loud-ass hotel, by the way, where you just can't get any sleep. Remind me to tell you the room service story from hell one day. Uh, you know, but but no, I opened up, and it's a picture of that game wh- whose name shall not be spoken. <laughs> okay, but but it, but it has to do with a blunt edge or something. It's just really bad. It's just... I just saw it's, it, and I... It's that, that thing involving characters from a bunch of games that you got the privilege of reviewing. Yeah, yeah, it was from my and review it, history. It involves uh, Compile Heart and Idea Factory. It was one of a string of games that broke me as a reviewer for RP Gamer. And when I opened up, I saw that picture. I raised my fist in the air. I yelled, Caught! Okay, no, maybe not. <laughs> I think I yelled, Apps! <laughs> So I might have I might have done that, and and then of course I I went to social media to express my displeasure, which is what we're supposed to do. Uh, JC Servant tweets, "What's this? No, curse you, Wheels, curse you!" At Jay Mason, look at what Ask Wheels sent me, and then I put a picture. So if you were following Twitter, if you're following me on Twitter at JC Servant, you could have seen a picture of this monstrosity. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and Mike uh, Mike writes back, Mike Minky writes back, years have passed, but the scars open like they were from yesterday. That's powerful voodoo. And uh, and as if and as if that wasn't painful enough, at Ask Wheels replies, for the record, as if to rub salt in the wound, I almost tracked down the actual case for that game. Yeah. Yeah, good going there, apps. It's true. We're gonna, it's true. I almost did that. We're, we're, I was searching around eBay. <laughs> So, shoot. Your, uh, your dedication to causing Phil misery will be remembered. Phil, if it makes you feel any better, I also played and hated that game. That, you know, and I really wanted to like the game because, I'm, again, I'm the guy who, even if the story dumps, if the gameplay is there or it's at least original or something, 
I can usually attach myself to it, but no, no, there was no redeeming qualities about that game. Uh, it's, no, no, there wasn't. Um, it's pretty putrid. It is pretty darn bad. I had some interact. I've been uh, occasionally I've been uploading pictures. I also tweet out my blog entries uh, as I've been working my way through Dragon Quest V. Actually, I haven't started. I think I just put my first blog entry on that one today. So, got a few questions on that. A couple answers on that. I'll skip those and move on up to the actual RPG backtrack comment. Stella King writes: Caught some old and new backtrack episodes. Very much enjoying, sir. Wants to know if Active Topical Banter is a podcast worth an immediate iTunes subscription. Well, the contract I signed says I absolutely have to answer that yes. Uh, But even if I didn't sign the contract, yeah, absolutely. It's a bunch of guys like you and me sitting around debating pointless things about RPGs, which, of course, nerds find absolutely entertaining. Uh, so yeah, no, I absolutely love listening. I listen to ATB. I, I, I listen to it more than I, I actually get around to listen to RPG cast. So I think it's uh, I think it's a good listen. Y'all listen to it, don't you? I'm a little behind at the moment, but I let's see. Yeah, I, I enjoy it very much. I asked uh, Stella King uh, what shows uh, he or she was listening to, and uh, they replied Mass Effect, Vagrant Story, da da. A uh, wonderful podcast and a meander through titles I've missed and absolutely should explore. Uh, been listening to games I want to know more about. Shin Megami, Dragon Age, their Universe Prime examples. So, yeah, pretty cool little chit-chat going on there on Twitter. We love your Twitter comments. You can tweet me, JC Servant. Mr. Minky is at Jumaysin, J-U something. J-U-M-E-S-Y-N. Are capital, is capitaliz- Mr. Apps knows that reference. <laughs> is capitalization important on yeah. Twitter? <laughs> yes. Is capitalization uh, important on Twitter, do you know? No, uh, it's not. Okay. So there you go. Because, like, every third letter in his name is capitalized. Because he's special. <laughs> Again, Mr. Apps knows where that came from. Right. Alrighty. Uh, so, okay, that was all the uh, comments. Uh, our next show is number 132. Now, we're taking a, a hiatus for a bit. Uh, we'll be back in December. So, we're going to let those of you who are listening to our vast catalog of RPG Backtracks a chance to catch up. Uh, our next recording will be at the beginning of December. It's RPG Backtrack number 132. Then some heroes come along. We'll be talking about the Legend of Heroes, Trails in the Sky. And no, we're not going to... We're, yeah, we're not going to do you maybe, know what. Maybe if we're very, very lucky, we will predict things again. And our recording that episode will be the sign for the second chapter of that to be released. Oh, right. What was the other thing that we predicted that just came to pass? Uh, Oh, it was mind-blowing, too. Suik asked us to predict, to talk about Chrono Trigger in hopes that it would get a new sequel, but that's not what happened. Uh, Because there was Etrian Odyssey... We were talking about how they were going to come up with the with that, which well, was kind of a half given, and they did. Uh, they announced that one, but there was something else that we talked about, and then it got right now. So now it's just it's a little late, so it slipped my mind. Maybe we'll think about it later. We we talked about uh, during the Devil Survivor show. Uh, oh yes, the, yes. the remake of two, which had kind record, of been yeah. absent for a long time, and then shortly after that, mm-hmm. they finally announced release details and whatnot. After our podcast went live, I think they they heard our complaints, our <laughs> desires, our hearts' wishes, and made it 
come to pass. So yeah, that is super cool. That's the power of the RPG backtrack, which only happens because you believe in us. Hold hands together and say, I believe in RPG backtrack. <laughs> um, sorry, it's getting late. Uh, and I drank some of this pumpkin spice holiday beverage stuff, which uh, is pure sugar. Um, so then you should be having a horrible night tossing and turning in bed, I think. Ooh, you're right. You know what? Uh, I'm going to go get Rob a sleeping pill. But uh, before I do that, let's see how Mr. Apps is doing. Mr. Apps, do you have anything you want to oh, share wait, with her? No. no. We should probably ask Mr. Fuller for Mr. Oh, Alex. Mr. Fuller, right. Mr. Fuller. Uh, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> anything you want to share with our community of listeners? What you're playing, what you're doing, what you're writing? Um, Feed the Moors is awesome. Uh, I, I have seen this. You have been com- you have been compelled to start a review blog on this. Yes, I'm about yeah, to start yeah. that up tonight. That's very exciting. Yeah, I've basically been doing a review blog and using it as it's used to fill as many screenshots as possible <laughs> because that, because that is an awesome fe- feature on the Vita. I don't think I'll take screenshots, but yeah, it is. Um, if you liked God's Eater Burst, then this is in a very similar vein and probably a bit better, just because it's more polished and you don't have to use the the claw when controlling it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, I've actually I've been actually playing God's Eater Burst on the Vita TV, so no claw. Okay, you can avoid the claw on that one. <laughs> yeah, um, I think it's by. It's by sort of one of the same developers did it. It's sort of Sony Japan Studio, but they did it in conjunction with Shift to develop the Goldeater games. So it's got it. It feels a lot like that game. It's just sort of got a different sort of setting and enemies, etc. But yeah, it's. I'm not actually a fan of Monster Hunter, but I like the Monster Hunter games like Goldeater Burst and Freedom Wars, just because I like the story bit. So these do sort of these done quite a decent job of the story. So but yeah, lots of fun. We always so like I to should... hear that. Hmm. You know, I just uh I, I know the Vita doesn't have they, that was actually speaking of active topical banter, they just did one on, on the Vita. And if you're a Vita lover, it wasn't – it left me a little little depressed because, uh, yeah, it is doing kind of poorly and, and, and you kind of wonder what's in its future. But, I'm, uh, you know, as a here and now type of guy, excited for that game. Minecraft just came out on it and, I mean, no one says Minecraft is a system seller, I guess, but, jeez, it's so much fun on the go. Oh my gosh! That I, seriously, and I and I tweeted this: Minecraft plus flight to Fort Lauderdale equals. Oh my God, we're there already! I I just yeah, at least there was no stinky guys on the way there, but I, I couldn't believe we. Yeah, I couldn't believe it was the time to land. I was building crap. So uh, yeah, yeah, that is. Uh, and then that game just there's there's a number of things that keep me glued to my Vita. Yeah, well, even if nothing else comes out, I mean, I've got plenty as it is that will keep me amused for. Yeah, a long time. Yeah, and there's I, there's a lot of good games. Yeah, yeah. I actually bought two Vitas because, <laughs> well, I've got one is my UK Vita, the other is my US Vita for review purposes. 
I mean, the only reason yeah, you really – sometimes you get mad and you want to throw away your Vita is because they do have that Vita version of Blunt Edge out that I just got in the mail. That made me throw my Vita away <laughs> and uh, surely pulled out a guard from me and said, come on, Phil. There's a lot of good games out. But but I was looking at the case with, with you know what on it and it said Vita and <laughs> no – See, I, I know I know Wills has done this trick before, so I automatically know to take anything anything that he may send me in future with a expecting something like this. I, I should, well, <laughs> I, he sent me something too, and I probably would have liked the cover of that more than what's actually inside. Well, and here's the funny thing, because surely he actually, you know, so so Mr. Mr. Apps is so detailed, he got a very nice printout of the original case and wrapped it in there. It was a PS3 game. Uh, you know, and that's at the top. It said PS3. So when Shirley is text messaging me, she's like, "Hey, you got a package?" I'm like, "Oh, really?" I I was so busy working, I completely forgot. I'm like, "What did I get a package for?" I don't remember buying anything. She said, "Oh, I don't know. It's some PlayStation Three game." And I'm like, "PlayStation Three game? Well, I'll just worry about it when I get home." I don't remember ordering a PlayStation Three game. <laughs> little little did I know what horrors awaited my return. Uh, anyways, anything else uh, there for you? Uh, no, no, I think that's basically easier for my time, which is probably a good thing because if it, well, it's sort of pushing everything back because I want to play more of it. So there well, will be a review for that at some point. I'm not, I have no idea how long the game is. So, well, those those games are pretty long, aren't they? Yeah, I think God Eater was. About forty hours overall, so yeah. I mean, because I'm expecting, so, I'm expecting yeah. something similar here. Okay, all right, cool. So, just to complete the story mode, I'm not counting sort of like all the optional missions that will come afterwards. I said it before, you guys. You got to go out and get a Vita. I mean, aside from the good Vita games that are out there, and there's a number of them. You, it plays a lot of the PSP games and stuff from the PlayStation Network. It, it's great. You get all the PSP games. You get all the PS1 games. Oh my God, it's just gravy and such a bright, beautiful screen. I love oh, Phil. That. If portables aren't your thing, now you can get a PlayStation TV for only a hundred bucks and play all those cool Vita games on your TV. This this is true. This is true. Don't. Yeah. Sure. Sure. I, I guess. Hmm. Well, I mean, you know, if there's some people that don't really like portables. Then... What? Get out of here! Yeah, Where uh, are they? Well, I'm sick. I don't know. Blood I know sucks. these people exist. <laughs> Get out. There are several of them who post on our forums and constantly gripe about how nothing gets released on consoles that they want to play. <laughs> I mean, there are there are some PSP games, too, that I enjoy playing on the TV. Like, it's nice to be able to play the better version of Final Fantasy Tactics on a TV. Uh, you know, have Tactics over... You know, it's, it's definitely nice to have some of those games. Yeah, if you... For people who are able to just book TV time all the time and aren't able and don't find uh, and don't have other things that are constantly interrupting that, then sure. yeah, I, I totally understand it. The screen size alone does make it preferable in some ways. Yeah. And see, I mean, for me, 
The only way I can play Final Fantasy 7 through 9 anymore is having it shrunk down to a 3-inch screen because having them spread on a 60-inch <laughs> yeah. canvas with his blocky oh, yeah. hands. Oh. <laughs> oh, even 7 and 8 don't look too good on the small screen either. Like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sephiroth. Well, actually, not, 9 is one of the games that actually translates really well onto that small screen, but... Yeah, what's really funny is I I kind of uh, I kind of got a little bit of an early start on on Dragon Warrior Seven, and it's like, oh my god, it it, it the DS games look better than this. <laughs> Make it stop. Uh, PlayStation One 3D graphics. Everybody knows my feelings on that. Not a huge <laughs> fan. Um, anywho, cool. Well, Mister Mister Fuller, I, I know it's super early, late something or other for you. So um, definitely appreciate you being on the show tonight. Yeah, I think it's starting to get lights outside now. <laughs> so, Thank you for being here, good sir. And uh, if you choose to rest now, may you rest well. Yeah, I will well, talk to you again for the next recording, so I think I'm on that one. Cool, yeah. cool. Bye-bye. Good night. See you later. So let us talk to the devious one now Mr. Apps <laughs> listen to that maniacal laugh he's got that perfected excellent you're uh, gonna come up with more idea factory stuff in the future aren't you no 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 there's other awful games besides idea factory That's idea too factory easy. does have a pretty good percent have a pretty high percentage of absolute crap. They do. They certainly do. <coughs> so I've been playing a non-Idea Factory game for review. What? Tears to Tiara 2 from Atlas. Yeah. We never got the first one over here, did we? Nope. It's developed by some company I've never heard of, and Sting. Good old Sting. And it kind of feels strongly like it was developed by two different companies because it's kind of a mix of a visual novel and uh, a strategy RPG. And the two don't always quite mash together too well. Um, The story's got some serious pacing issues, uh, and there's some, like, ridiculously long stretches between battles. Uh, but the battles are definitely nice, a little on the simple side. Uh, although maybe I shouldn't talk in that regard since I just played lots of Natural Doctrine. But relatively simple but fun. Some nice little touches. Uh, like it's kind of got a, a timing mechanic for attacks to, to get some extra attacks in, and obviously like a sting touch there. But it's relatively neat. It's just um, really long. Obviously, the visual novel aspect means the story sequences are really long. But, uh, yeah, definitely got some pacing issues. And some issues... uh, I don't know how to describe it. Just like... um, some of the battles don't feel all that important, which is weird given there's so much story going on. That, you know, it feels like with that much story, every battle should be important, and it's not always the case. So, not bad, not great, somewhere in the middle. 
uh, really good when it's when it's not poorly when paced. They finally, when they finally shut up and let you fight. Yeah, I mean, it's the story is interesting. It takes place in like a weird fantasy version of Europe, although you can kind of barely tell that at times. Um, but you know, when the story's good, it's good, and I don't mind when it's good. When it's going well and it's paced well, I don't really mind when it gets too long because it at least tries to touch on some like more mature subjects, although it kind of generally falls short. Um, but you know, at least it tries. Uh, but and you know, other times it just kind of spends way way too much time on stuff that in any other RPG would be like optional extra conversations or optional you know, side quests and stuff like that. And it just feels like there's no filter for that here. Like, there's no, like, party chat in the Tales games, you know, where a lot of that's kind of set aside so that if you don't want kind of that extra fluff, you don't have to deal with it. And here, you know, there's some, like, fast-forward options, but there's no, like, there's no way to just write out skip a cutscene <coughs> um, so you just get way too much thrown at you and it's not a lot of it is not important to the story at all you know so yeah so it kind of feels like you're watching uh, it almost feels like you're watching an anime and occasionally you get to play some strategy RPG battles uh, with all uh, the bad things that anime can sometimes bring to the mix. So, Oh, goody. Yeah, well, and it's kind of disappointing because I feel like done right, a visual novel and a strategy RPG could find like a really good mix there. And this is just definitely not that mix. So... Uh, it's going to be a while for the review because it's a long game and I can't... I haven't finding myself unable to do long stretches of it, but yeah. Approach it with caution would be the best thing I could say. Okay. Fair enough. I've also been playing Bayonetta 2, uh, which is the is best action... Yes, it actually came out. Um, I can't remember if it was this Friday. No, it was the previous Friday. Uh, it's definitely one so, of the best uh, action games I've ever played. So October twenty fourth. Yeah, that sounds okay. right. Yeah, it didn't. It did not come out on Halloween. But yeah, uh, absolutely brilliant a- uh, action game. As you would expect from, you know, although he wasn't really involved with this one, but, you know, kind of the concept from the creator of Devil May Cry. So, yeah, if you like action games, this is really a must-play and uh, definitely worth buying a Wii Wii U for, even. And... I think that's about it of late other than some other random uh, other games I'm playing like uh, playing a bit of Fantasy Life which is fun and that's it 
Uh, I still have some retro reviews. I am long overdue to write, uh, so I'll probably have some stuff up on the site in the near future. Awesome. Uh, otherwise, I'm the only one doing the retro reviews, seems like. <laughs> and I haven't even done many retro reviews lately. But Retro reviews... You can read my unofficial reviews on my blogs and on the RPG <laughs> forums because I'm working through the Dragon Warrior games. That's uh, I need to, I do need to write up uh, some unofficial reviews for Strange Journey, and uh, I forget what other game I completed recently or put down or something. Anywho, what about you, Mister Mickey? What's up with you? Well, you may have seen that a review for Pierre Solar went up on our site. I it's did. It's actually been a while. She <laughs> drew a few comments, too. Yeah. Including one from uh, a designer on the game. Yeah. Yeah, that was Ooh. cleverly disguised as somebody not a designer on the game. I'll I'll say this. The, the look of the game was pretty good. I thought the art designer did a good job. So if you listen to this, sir, then... Did, did did he ever answer my question as to whether because I asked did you even play the game? Not you, him. Did 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 he ever answer that? <laughs> like okay, so the whole story here, boys and girls, in case you don't stay on top of all. Well, the forums, here let me let me give an analogy in case just to suit this. Roger Ebert gave the 1999 remake of The Haunting favorable review, and his main reason for that was because the set designers did a great job creating the house. You know what? He was right. The set designers did a great job creating the house. You can have individual elements of a project that are spectacularly well done. That doesn't mean that the project as a whole will live up to the excellence of its individual parts. So, yeah. So, <laughs> Mike writes a review of up here, Solar, gives it a below average score. Everyone's chit-chatting about it a little bit, and suddenly this guy comes on and basically says, you know, seems like you put some thought into that, but other people don't agree with you. Here's three reviews that say this game is awesome. Link, link, link. <laughs> and hmm. now, now I, I'm just, I'm an accountant by nature, so my brain, whenever somebody says anything that, you know, can be tested... I tested to see if, if they're telling the truth or if, you know, uh, I hate it when people put out statistics to try to prove a fact, but they don't tell you how those statistics are derived. So he his implication here was that Mike's reviews are much lower than the average critics because here's just a sampling. He's implying that these three were just a, a, a random sampling of other critics. But a quick trip to Metacritic or uh, or game rankings quickly showed that the average score for this game was actually hitting around seventy uh, percent, uh, which is, in even general media's terms, is below average. Since most games nowadays get in seventy five to an eighty for an average game, so it was like so that's where I came out and said, "Dude, uh, yeah, you're 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 smoking the peace pipe because I don't know what you're trying to prove because if you look at." critics across the board now had he said reader reviews the reader reviews on the various sites are pretty high but uh but the critics are actually been been kind of well, harsh readers on. are usually not subject to the same res restrictions that critics are right right and, and readers for instance can review things 
without actually Play. getting their hands <laughs> on the game. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so, but that's when, uh, and I love us. I think it was Scott that that did the little research on the guy's uh, email address used to register his forum account because he was a new poster, and uh, and that's where he found out that this guy was indeed one of the developers on the team <laughs> and called him out on it. <laughs> it was just, it was great. It was a classic RP gamer moment. I'm telling you guys, if you're not. If you're not playing on forums, there's a lot of listeners who don't, and that's fine. But I'm telling you, you're missing out on some classic moments like that. Not to mention just a bunch of great gaming discussion. Because uh, we can talk a lot more in depth than we can, let's say, on Twitter. Uh, as much as I love Twitter, and I do use Twitter. So, uh, yeah, hilarious. What else, Mr. Mike? What else is up in your world? <laughs> aside, aside from aside, aside from, from Solar. Aside from Pierre Solar and developers uh, trying to disguise themselves. Actually, to de- debunk mention, your reviews, I should mention a weird thing that happened with Pierre Solar. You, you know how RPGs generally work. There, there's a final boss, and the final boss has a couple of uh, parts, right? Uh huh. Well, I beat the first part of the final boss. Briefly, the final part appears on the screen, and then suddenly, it goes away, and I go straight to the ending screens, and okay. I, I just finish the game. I, I didn't actually have to fight the final part of the final boss. I don't understand what happened. That's like no bug I've ever encountered. Wow. And that would probably not be considered a good feature by most people <laughs> interested in the game. <laughs> I almost I almost said, are you sure that's not a feature? <laughs> well, you know, Phil, it might be a feature. It, it it's probably be. not one that one that the publisher is going to loudly tout in the advertising, you may just skip through some of the content without being able to play it. Mm-mm-mm. Uh Yeah, if you... Well, we've talked about Pure Soul, alright. You know, <laughs> we'll, prob- we'll probably do a show sometime in the future on Neo 16-bit games, because there are a number of them by now, and there's a lot to say. What else am I playing? Oh, yes. Mr. Apps, I I warned you when you said that you had this game and were willing to send it to me. I wasn't sure just how grateful I could be. <laughs> you, so thanks. you're not beyond grateful? <laughs> Actually, I might be beyond to the point where descriptors are failing. <laughs> yes... Somehow I had always avoided the one Camelot RPG that wound up on a Sony machine. That's that's that never happened again. Beyond the Beyond. I don't want to say too much about it now because I will have ample venting time in the future. But uh I understand you played this a long time ago, Phil, is that correct? Oh, just just briefly, just long enough for the bleeding to start from my eyes. <laughs> yeah, no, I I did not spend too much time in that one. I had better things to do, like uh, you know, arbitrarily visiting the dentist and saying, "Hey, can you just drill a hole in my tooth?" I, I don't really need it, but I'm thinking it's better than I what I got to do at home. Care on my on my insurance. I might as well make use of it. <laughs> Uh, Beyond the Beyond 
is clearly a Camelot game. It is also clearly the worst game Camelot ever made. Shining Forces, uh, all the Shining games, even Shining Wisdom, I can come up with things that I like about. The best I can say for Beyond the Beyond is that it has a couple of dungeon ideas that are kind of interesting. Like uh, having to pick up water and go water buds to make flowers bloom that will take you to the next part of the dungeon when you must count out your steps precisely because you'll otherwise spill the water and have to go back. <laughs> See, I, I'm straining here. Uh, here, let me let me try this. Everybody loves it when your character has a status ailment in RPG, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Now don't you love it even more when it's part of the plot and you're stuck with this character and he's cursed and mm. you can't get rid of him? Yeah, so- sounding, rid- sounding more fun. So don't you just love it when you've got a guy who will either not take an action in battle because he's cursed or he might take an action and then because he's cursed some of the damage rebounds right onto him mm. oh wow that's like uh, that's like playing um, uh, that's like playing the, with the jester in Dragon Warrior was it, 3 <laughs> yeah 3 because I, I did that for 20 levels in order to unlock the sage but I mean yeah half the time the guy would just sit there and pick his nose sometimes he'd trip on his own weapon and hurt himself every once in a while he'd do something useful yeah, uh, only there's a reward for the jester. Yeah, actually kind of sucked. Yeah, that's what what pissed me off was that, yeah, you can become a sage, but as I mentioned on the show where I talked about this like a while back, the stat growth is stu- you know becomes really bad because it's a really bad path to actually get intelligence, which you need for magic points or whatever. So he ended up just becoming a barbarian. But anyways, go on. Um, yeah, so, so one of your characters in battle is like that. Uh, he became cursed, what was it, an hour and a half into the game. I'm 11 hours into the game right now, and he's still cursed. Hmm. Uh, the encounter rate... Look, I don't start screaming at random encounters most of the, unless there's something wrong with the game, and there's something very, very wrong here. Here's the core, the rotten core of the, is the combat, where every time you take an action or an enemy attacks you, there's a window where an icon will flash over your characters and uh, you get to do something. You don't know what, but you get to do something. And if you do the right thing by mashing around on the D-pad and maybe hitting the X button a lot, then you could hit. You could strike twice, you could use a special attack, you could block the enemy, but it doesn't tell you, it doesn't show you, so you just have to guess that you're hitting the right thing each time this happens. So every time you take an action in combat or the enemy attacks you, you mash the D-pad like crazy and hope that you're actually going to make something happen. And not a bad thing, because you can have the enemy block you too. That's always fun. Every time. Are, are you? Does that sound great? Does this sound awesome to you? No. You're drilling the two right there. Go ahead. Uh, two right there. Yeah. 
again, I will have plenty of time to vent on this. I just want to say one thing right here. I fought the first boss in the game, and Camelot's programmers actually forgot a key thing. The camera, in an attempt to be dynamic, will sometimes show you things from the from behind your character's point of view, and sometimes from behind the enemy. There's a big pillar behind the enemy. If it if the camera is showing you that point of view from behind the enemy, then the pillar is blocking part of the screen, and that's the only place the damage you're doing to it shows up. So you can't see how much damage you're doing if it shows you that view. Isn't that great? Boy, that, Isn't that, that wonderful programming? That Beyond like... great. Beyond. <laughs> Beyond the greatness. So, no, it is. This is not something that everyone was wrong to dump on. And if the person who frequents our forums, who loudly says that this is a great game, one of the best ever made, happens to listen to this, um. You know what? Fine. You are wrong. <laughs> uh, yes, I also have something that is not out yet. I get it early. I get Persona Q, Shadow of the Labyrinth early. I hate you. I hate you. <laughs> and I hate you. And it's a weird fit for me because I didn't play Persona 3 or 4. So I'm... But these are fun characters. I gotta give it that. And you know what the labyrinths are like? It's Etrian Odyssey. It's freaking Etrian Odyssey. I'm going through here. I'm marking my maps. I'm currently in a on a floor with conveyor belts, so I have to put out lots of arrows to be sure I know where they're going. Um, it's Etrian Odyssey. And the listeners of the backtrack know what that means. That's fun stuff. Uh, I have been told I, I probably should have been using headphones but on lunch last week I was told by my boss to, tone it, to turn it down apparently Persona Q's music did not make her happy so it's what? I, said I that way. Persona music I don't know Phil it can't please everybody all the time and when your boss tells you turn it down you kind of have to I guess that means I should be using the headphones. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm going to do my darndest to get this thing done and ready for us to have a review in time for its release. And... Where am I at right now? Actually, it doesn't show my clock unless I go to save, but I'm past 12 hours, I think, so... I'll do my best. Um, so those are the games that I saw John Wick today. You know did, what that is? Did he invent Wikipedia? Wick as in W-I-C-K, so like a candle. <laughs> he invented the candle entry on Wikipedia. No. He invented Keanu Reeves killing a lot of people. Hmm. So he's, he's supposed to be a cold-blooded assassin, which works because it's Keanu Reeves. Mass murder. Well, they wronged him. He's taking vengeance. 
As well he should. And he does kill a lot of people. <laughs> I probably should have been keeping a body count. I'm sure it went over 40 by the end. Uh, and I finally saw The English Patient. Remember the movie that, that Elaine just couldn't stand? Yeah. I hate to disagree with Elaine, but it's better than that. Hmm. Even if seeing Ray Fiennes burned kind of makes me think, ooh, you're getting practice for being Lord Voldemort. Interesting. <laughs> um... Oh, and I saw Gone Girl last weekend. Did she really go away? Mm-hmm. There, there are even captions on the screen saying, two days gone, three days gone. And it's the kind of movie where you think you understand what's going on, and then it starts to twist, and then it twists again and again. You, you don't know where it's going, man. And I probably shouldn't say any more about it because if I do, then people are going to complain really, really loudly that I spoiled the movie. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that one's well within the spoiler time zone. It's in the theaters right now, yeah. I, I should take it gently. Anyway, that, that's enough for me right now. What you got, Phil? Well, working my way through some Dragon Quest V and... Um... I don't know. I, I kind of got some um, mixed feelings about it. I mean, generally good mixed feelings, but, you know, I just feel like, you know, for everything it does a little better than four, it, it does, it lets me down somewhere so far. So I don't know if that'll, that'll hold up through the end of the game. It's kind of interesting. One thing I often say, you know, we, so at RP Gamer, we, we play reviews to, to the, you know, we play games all the way to the end. Uh, because a lot of game reviewers, they'll just play the first few hours and they'll give it a good review. And I think that's that's a great thing to do until, of course, someone sends me a game like you know that rhymes with might medge, you know, and, and then it's <laughs> then, then then it's no longer so cool anymore. What's what's interesting is I I think that it's absolutely true that if you only play a game for five or ten hours, and it seems to be good. By the end, it can unravel. It can become quickly unbalanced, or the gameplay mechanics don't hold up for the length of time the game is built for, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. There's so many things that can go wrong. You know, over a period of time, um, but you know, I don't think I've ever had the opposite happen. That would be a great active topical banter idea. Someone needs to write that down. Have you ever played a game that you were like, "Oh man, this is definitely our one or a two out of five. But by the end, you're like, "Damn, that game brought home four out of five." I'm like, "No, no." So it'd be interesting to see if this game right now. I've got this scoreish kind of in my head. I kind of think of the RP Gamer score. Uh, scale and, and while a game could certainly maybe pull itself up a little bit at the end, maybe a half point by the end, it'd be interesting to see if by the end of it I'm like, nah, this this game's totally blow me away, five out of five, because because right now it's it's not close. Um, uh, I won't say too much more than that because I'm sure I'll have a thirty minute rant when we get to that part of the RPG track when I come back and. Um, when we come back to record in December. So, let's see. Aside from the... Oh, Minecraft. Oh, my gosh. So, that came out on the Vita right before I had to go on the trip. I'm like, hell, my mother had given me $50 in Vita credit. 
So I'm like, hell, well, why not? Or a PlayStation Network that, credit. That yeah, was she, nice she, she bought me a card, right? So I had a, it was sitting on my couch. I'm like, well, what the hell? Let's see what everyone's talking about Minecraft. I played on, I tried it on the PC a while back, like years ago, and didn't really can ever get into it. Um, well, one of the things, one of the reasons I didn't like the PC version was in order to craft stuff, you have to arrange it in a box a certain way. So if you want to craft a, a, a you know a, a shovel you have to put two pieces of wood and a piece of a stone at the end and and nowhere is this spelled out anywhere you you have to go look up wikipedias and i abhor any game that makes me go look up wikipedias not to mention just the thought of having to arrange a bunch of little blocks every single time i want to make something i, I it just seemed kind of tedious but uh, one of the things i had read in an early review on the playstation 3 version or whatever was that nowadays on the console versions, anyways, I don't know about the PC, but on the console versions, when you go to your crafting table, the recipes are all in there already. You don't have to, you don't have to fart around with crap to figure stuff out. You don't have to go look up Wikipedias. Everything you need to play the game is inside. A tutorial, is it how to survive your first night, is all inside the game. So I'm like, okay, well, let's, let's give it a shot. Let's see what this, this phenomenon's all about. And oh my gosh, between... From Salt Lake to Fort Lauderdale is easily nine hours with the layover, and because uh, you always have to stop somewhere, it's never a direct flight. And, uh, and, and I'm telling you, dude, it just blew away the, the whole day. I did not get nearly as much dragon questing done as I should have. I I ran down the Vita battery almost on the first leg of the flight to Atlanta, but then I found a restaurant and plugged it in, <laughs> so I could charge it up for the rest of the way. Vita battery does okay. Um, I think for my next flight, I'm buying I'm buying one of these uh, battery uh, little. They look like a. It's just a little tiny thing. It's about the size of a lipstick thing, but it, it can charge up your USB devices and stuff. So, um, uh, Vita was on the list, so I'll, I'll give that a shot and see how well that works. If that doesn't work, I might just go ahead and buy. They actually have a Vita charger. Sony has a Vita exter- exterior charger, which is rated pretty well on Amazon. It's like twenty five bucks and adds like seven hours uh, to your Vita. So, for your long flights, it, it can be helpful. Um, so yeah, I building staircases and now I've got in my PlayStation Four version. Which, by the way, if you buy the Vita version for five bucks more, you get the PlayStation Four version as well. Vita is cross by with PlayStation Three, but uh, with Minecraft. But for five bucks more, you also get the the PlayStation Four edition. And what's interesting is uh, it, it seems to be a hit or miss thing, but I can upload my Vita worlds to my PS3 and vice versa. I can also upload my Vita world, Minecraft worlds to my PS4, but anything from the PS4 can't go back down to PS3 or PS or to the PS Vita because I, you know, I guess it's yeah, whatever, uh, bigger bigger computing device or whatever. So. Um, uh, so I have one world that I built on my PlayStation 4 on my couch and then another one on my Vita. I really don't do the whole uploading thing too much. I just keep them separate. And on my uh, PlayStation 4 world, I have figured out one of the cool things. That, well, it says in the description too. There, uh, you you could take a dye and you could apply it to sheep wool and you can have colored wool that you could turn into colored carpet to help decorate your buildings and crap. But you could also take the uh, dye and dye the sheep directly, in which case – the sheep will continue to grow that colored fur for the rest of his life. And more fun and hilarity ensue because you can breed sheep by feeding them. So when you breed a red sheep and a blue sheep, guess what you get? A purple sheep baby. It's so cute. And it's purple. 
No, he produces purple wool for me. It's hilarious. I, I just, I got like a whole rainbow bride of sheep. Uh, they almost look like, yeah, they're just kind of creepy, actually. Wife's walking by. What the hell is that? They're sheep. It's purple. It's a sheep. He just grows purple fur. Don't judge him because he's different. So, yeah. Um, going deep into the underground worlds and finding caverns of lava, digging up gems. You don't know it's going to attack you from behind. Uh, it's really a lot of fun. And then just the, the open worldness of being able to build and terraform the world around you. Uh, that's, that's, of course, my wife walks by. She says, man, that game is so ugly. I gotta love my wife. That game is so freaking ugly. I'm like, yeah, but it's Legos. Who doesn't like Legos? Nobody walks by a Lego building and go, man, that Lego building's ugly. They're like, oh, cool, Legos. But it's ugly. Look at the sheep. They're ugly. No respect for Minecraft sheep. Uh, poop. So... Uh, unfortunately, I was playing Discaea Four, and I and then but then I got, I got Minecraft and and bad. So I'm gonna have a lot of time though to to catch up on Discaea Four. I still haven't opened up a certain case somebody sent me though because I, I I when I when I pulled it out of the bag, it was like my hand caught fire. It was like a burning ascetic sensation that hit my skin. I dropped it immediately to the floor, and it's been there ever since. So I might get Shirley to open it up and retrieve the Vita game from inside of it. Because I'm, I'm pretty sure there's a Vita game inside there. Because that's what Mike said he was going to send me, but uh, I, I don't know. Yeah, he's, he's chucking over He's like, yes, open the case. You know you want to. So anywho... Uh, alrighty, uh, you can you can definitely follow up what all of us are doing. You can head over to the forums, rpgamer.com. Of course, that's where we write all of our articles. rpgamer.com, super awesome because we not only write about the new games that are coming out, but we have retro reviews, we have editorials, and they're written by people who love this hobby, not by a bunch yeah, of paid journalists. Forward to an eventual review from me of Beyond the Beyond, done in the current age. And it won't be very different from the reviews that were written at the time. There's another there's another active topical banter, you know, subject. Does a game that sucked way back in the day suck better over time? I, I don't know. There there are other legendarily terrible games. I'm sure if we go back and look at Quest sixty four nowadays, then it will seem like a the paragon of brilliance that escaped everyone at the time, right? Indeed. Yeah, suddenly it just suddenly got better. Um, poop. So anyways, head over to rpgamer.com. Head over to board.rpgamer.com where all of our conversations take place in real time. You two can join in on the conversations. Uh, as I mentioned before, a lot of us are on Twitter. I'm at twitter.com slash acservant. My good friend Mr. Mike Meeky can be found at twitter.com forth slash jumesyn, J-U-M-E-S-Y-N. And that devious man is at Ask Wheels. Um, so, yeah, definitely tweet out to us. Um, you can also uh, hit up RP Gamers on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash RP Gamer. And I think we got a Facebook page, .com, facebook.com forward slash RP Gamer. So, man, we're out there. We are out there. So, join us on social media. And email us, JC Servant at Cyberlight Comics or Albert Odyssey at hotmail.com. We'll be happy to read your comments on the air. 
Whew, RPG Backtrack is a production of RPGamer.com, your source for RPG news, reviews, and home to the best gaming community on the net. So check it out. Mr. Mike, please put us to bed. Have we covered everything that Trice has done by now? If not, we're pretty close. And that's a good closing thought. Think about everything Trice has done. Good night.